Our gracious Father, we thank you for your precious word to us. We thank you that uh, in it we hear you speak to us. We thank you for these psalms, Lord, that give us not only your word to us, but our words to say to you. We, we pray them to you. We say them to you. We pray that you might soften our hearts so that what we see here might shape us, that we might live more for the praise of your glory, and that we might be those who are more and more changed into the image of Jesus. Uh, Lord, for any of us here um, who are burdened, we pray that your word might encourage us. Any here uh, who are proud, we pray that your word might remind us uh, of our sin, um, but also, Lord, encourage us with the good news of your grace and forgiveness in Christ. Lord, we pray now as we hear your word read, please um, put that, uh, plant your word deeply into our hearts so that we might uh, hear it and obey it and live by it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my Lord as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that, every, every, on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those who help, whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Well, friends, uh, it is that time of year, isn't it? New Year's, it's a time for fresh starts. New habits, you might, I don't know whether you're into New, uh, new Year's resolutions. I kind of like them until I start doing them. <laughs> uh, I like the, positive, the optimism about them. Uh, you might be into that. You might have new goals. It's a time for all that sort of stuff. New facial hair or lack of it. Uh, if you're visiting, that's a reference. I, after a number of years, I've got rid of my beard and it's, I'm, I'm getting strange looks from everyone. Uh, that's okay. You'll get used to it. Uh, <laughs> well, it is a, a time for new things, isn't it? But as a church where... Um, uh, giving a new, or a renewed, really, a renewed emphasis on prayer this year. It's one of the things, as we, last year we looked ahead to this year and we, we thought, as a church family, uh, in a way, whatever other resolutions we make this year, uh, there could be few better things uh, than to look ahead to this year, to 2008. So it could be few better things that we could grow in. Uh, if this time next year, so just imagine yourself in a year from now, if this time next year you could look back and see how God had shaped you to depend on him in prayer in a deeper and richer and more sustaining way, that's what our hope is, what our desire is, what we pray God will do among us this year. Uh, we're going to do that in a more kind of thought out or more systematic kind of way later in the year. 
I'm going to try to hear the whole Bible's teaching on prayer in five weeks. That'll be later in, in the year. Um, uh, and we're going to try to do that and see how prayer fits into the big picture of the gospel. Um, we're not going to do that now, though. Instead, over the, over the next five weeks, what we'll do through January, uh, we're going to kick off this new year by immersing ourselves in these psalms, uh, this, this book right in the middle of your Bibles, uh, which really is the prayer book of the Bible. It's the Bible's book of prayers. The Psalms don't really, they don't so much teach us about prayer as they are themselves prayers. Um, in a way, you might have, yeah, this might strike you, it's, it's in a way a bit of a strange thing to have in the Bible. Um, the Bible, one of our deep convictions here is that the Bible is God's word to people. Um, God inspired the human writers of the Bible to communicate exactly what he wanted uh, to the world, to show us who he is and to show us who we are, to show us what he has done for us in Jesus. But as you read through these Psalms, you notice something a little bit different. The Psalms give us something uh, uh, unique, actually. They are part of this word of God to people, but they're also people's words to God. Also, they go the other way. That what, um, what some people have caused, called this bit of a technical kind of thing, but called an authorised response, basically saying uh, God's word to us, giving us words to speak back to God. Uh, giving us words to speak. It's not, it, it's not a kind of cosmic control freak kind of thing going on. This isn't God just mindlessly creating robots who mindless, mindlessly parrot these words. The Psalms, no, the Psalms are an incredibly precious gift for us. We need them because in ourselves we don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't know how to pray in ourselves. Our hearts are turned inward on ourselves because of our sin. Uh, and it's only, it's only as God takes his word and by his spirit gives us new hearts, shapes our hearts, that we can begin to learn how to pray. I'm not talking, we're not talking about kind of impressive prayer here. You might know stories of Jesus who is pretty hard on people who pray impressive prayers in order to be seen by other people. Um, it's possible to pray great prayers and to impress others, but to have a heart that is proud and is far from God. On the other hand, uh, it's possible to... Uh, what to feel like many of us do, I think, a lot of the time, to feel a bit like a fumbling kind of fool who is no good with words, uh, but to have a heart that loves what God loves and a heart that, that hates what God hates. The Psalms open that up to us as well. These Psalms are a key place where that change happens, that kind of deep heart change. They express the full range of deep human emotion and longing. Uh, they don't just express it, though. They express it in a way that takes our own hearts and kind of shapes them and changes them so that they're more in line with God and who he is and what his purposes are and his plans are and what he desires. Um, so we're going to dive into the Psalms over the next few weeks, try to get a bit of a... Uh, an overview of the whole book, in a way. Um, but
But to help us out, we're going to... I hope you can stick with this. It, it can seem a bit tricky, but we're going to try and get a bit of an overview of the whole book. Um, it, can, it can seem... I don't know if you've had this experience. You might have been reading through Psalms, and it can seem a little bit... Uh, random, <laughs> a little bit disconnected, or there's all these, a uh, bit of a mush of different poems uh, through the whole thing. But as you take a step back, you can start to see there is a really um, significant and, inter- and helpful design to it. Uh, the whole collection has been put together in a special way. So there'll be something coming up on the screen. Hope the, hope this is helpful. I think it will be. Um, so just uh, let's uh, let's keep going. Then, if you go to the next slide, the, the whole. Um, book starts with Psalms 1 and 2. So you can see up there Psalms 1 and 2. They're like an introduction to the whole book. And we looked at those a little while ago, so you can always go back and uh, revisit those if you like. But Psalms 1 and 2, they like it. They sit right at the start. They, they introduce the whole book and they introduce these big themes that come through the book about the blessed person who takes delight in God's word and the blessed person who takes refuge in God's king. These big themes about God's word and God's king, um, they're really significant and they, they go right through the Psalms. And then you get right down to the end of the Psalms. This is where we're kind of sitting today, right down to the end, this ending. This, the last five of them, they also sort of go together as a bit of a clump. Um, uh, they all start and end, these, these five Psalms, they all start and end with the same word, hallelujah, or Praise the Lord, you probably have in your Bible in front of you. Praise the, 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 All of those psalms start with that. Uh, the calls to the people of God to praise him. So that's kind of like the bookends of the whole psalm. And then in between, well, there's heaps there. Um, uh, you, you might know that the, the, the book itself has been broken into five different smaller books. and You'll see that as you read through them. They come in all different shapes and sizes, but you can roughly put them into two types. You should see them up there. Uh, What they call praise psalms and what they call lament psalms. Uh, The praise psalms are like the ones we're looking at today. Um, They call God's people to praise him. He's the king. He is working his purposes out. But at the same time, one of the really precious things about the psalms is that they recognise that Uh, Our world is broken and the people in it are sinful. God's rule isn't fully recognised. His kingdom hasn't come in all its fullness. And the lament psalms recognise that. They express that. They're they're, they're kind of the more negative ones. Uh, The ones that express the pain and confusion and anger and regret of this life. And take that all together, you get something like this. If you want a bit of a, uh, this is my kind of attempt at trying to put the Psalms together uh, to give us a bit of a, uh, an understanding of the whole thing. The Psalms are the cries of God's people as they seek to be faithful to His Word while they wait for the fullness of God's kingdom under the rule of His promised King. They're the cries of God's people as they seek to be faithful to his word while they wait for his kingdom under his king. Um, We're going to start together at the end. If you haven't got that down, that's all right. Um, I can shoot it to you later if you like. But if you go to the next slide, we're going to start down the bottom here. 
Uh, At the end, we're not going to take the sound of music advice. Let's start at the very beginning. I'm not doing that. Uh, Partly because we've already done that. I mentioned that. We've already done one and two a little while ago, so you can go back and check that. Uh, but also because, and this is where I hope going through this isn't just an academic exercise, but actually very helpful for us as we get to this psalm. Uh, the, the reason we're starting here is because the whole shape of the book of Psalms says something really profound. The whole shape of it. What's really interesting is there's, through, the, through the, the psalms, there's actually a bit of a movement between these lament and praise song, psalms. So at the start... It's dominated by these lament psalms. And there are a few praise psalms scattered through it. But by by the time you get to the end, though, it's the praise psalms that dominate the whole book uh, by the time you get to the end of that. See what's going on there? I mean, it's more complex than, I guess, what's up on there, but that's a true kind of... Um, take on the the shape of the psalms, but these psalms take us on a journey through every part of human experience, every cry of our hearts. But when everything else is said and done, after both the joys and the sorrows of life, they all end in praise. When all is said and done in your life, You exist to praise, to praise God. Praise doesn't just, we're not talking about just a feeling that we have when we sing together. It includes our singing together, and that comes up in this psalm, all through the psalms actually. It does include it, but it's much bigger than that. It's about the whole direction of your life, about what your heart longs for, what you worship who you worship. Friends, it may be today that you especially need to hear this, this message. Uh, you might have had a painful 2017 and perhaps you carry this, a, a bit of a weight of anxiety with you as you head into 2018. Uh, on the other hand, you might have had a really positive 2017 and you can't wait to get stuck into the year ahead or anywhere in between that, where, whatever you're carrying with you, this psalm reminds you that the truest, the truest thing about you isn't actually any of those things. The truest thing about you is that you were made to worship God, to give your life in praise to him, to glorify and enjoy him forever. That's where we start with this psalm, Psalm 146, the first of these hallelujah psalms at the end that gather up this whole book. Um, that's where it all starts. So um, it would be helpful to have a Bible open if you have the, um, the passage there. should have a bookmark there. Uh, that's where the psalm starts, right? Praise the Lord, verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul. See how it starts off? There's this... That the first line there, praise the Lord, that was like the general call to God's people to praise him. Uh, that's what the word hallelujah means. It's this call for all of God's people gathered together to give him praise. Um, but do you notice the next line there? There's a bit of a shift. It goes from this general call to something much more personal and intimate. 
Uh, the writer of the psalm, no, go back, flick back again, sorry. The writer of the psalm, uh, just back to verse 1. Oh, yeah, the writer of the psalm um, speaks to himself. You notice that? He speaks to his own soul. And he calls himself to praise God. Uh, it happens all the way through the psalms, actually, this kind of talking to yourself. Um, one great uh, preacher, a guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones, reflected on this from another psalm, a different psalm, but uh, he, he said this in these, these sermons he gave on what he called spiritual depression. Uh, and he wrote this. It should come up on the screen. Um, he, he, he said this. Uh, he says, Our main trouble is that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves." bit complicated but he goes on have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning you have not originated them but they start talking to you they bring back the problem of yesterday somebody's talking who is talking to you yourself is talking to you now this man uh, the writer of the psalm he's talking about this man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing his self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. <laughs> a little confusing, but oh, actually I think it's, there's something very, very profound. That's what the writer here is doing, the, the psalmist here. He's talking to himself. He's saying, praise, praise the Lord, my soul. I won't just listen to myself. I will talk to myself. He calls everyone to praise God, but he goes further, doesn't he? And we'll go to the next slide in verse 2. He doesn't just call himself to praise God. He's not just calling himself here and now. He commits himself to do it into the future. Verse 2, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. He looks into his future and he settles deeply within his own heart that he will praise this God all of his life. That is the theme of his life. No matter how long it is, it will be one of praise to the God who made him and the one who saves him. Not a bad New Year's resolution, right? I will praise the Lord all the days that he gives me. Uh, that praise, and you notice as you, as you, in verse 2 again, that that, that praise, is, it overflows with song. Singing has always been central to the life of God's, God's people because we have something to sing about. Uh, that's, uh, and that's what he goes on to talk about, really. The something that we have to sing about. If you are someone who trusts in Jesus and who is included into God's family, you have something to sing about. If you're not, you can have something to sing about by putting your faith in him. That's what he goes on to talk about, why we can praise God, not in a kind of grit-your-teeth mechanical way, but as a genuine overflow of our hearts. So he goes on to from verse 3 to 9, really the chunk of this psalm. Um, he, he, he goes right to this question of why it is that we have something to sing about, why we can praise this God. It's not simply 
You notice it's not simply recognise God's power and praise him. Recognise his wisdom and his might. Now, the God of this psalm isn't just a God of raw power or wisdom. He's not just a God who sits apart and demands the praise of his people. He is Yahweh, um, the God of promise, who made a covenant, a special relationship with the people of Israel in order to bring his blessing to the whole world and undo the curse of sin and death. He's not just God. Do you notice in verse 5, he is their God. And the reason that we cannot just kind of grit our teeth and praise this God, but willingly and joyfully praise him, is that he alone is worthy of our trust like no one else is. When it comes to the worship of your heart, no one else can deliver. Verse 3, Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirits depart, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. So we're saying that we're, we're... In the story of the Bible, we are made to worship and trust God. But in our sin, we turn from that. We turn in on ourselves. We turn to other things and other people. Uh, Especially here, we turn to other people. This psalm calls princes. Just another way of saying powerful people um, in our lives. It could be anyone. It It can for us today be the equivalent of our princes. and We put all our trust in certain political leader who's going to save us from all our troubles. It can be anyone else too, though. Any other person you look to uh, to fulfil you. Uh, it's often a romantic relationship, a spouse or someone we're going out with who we're looking to, to fulfil us or someone we long to be with, uh, someone we think will save us, will give us meaning in life. Um, it's not always that. Sometimes it's someone who's being spiritually significant for us, a, a, a pastor or a parent or someone else in our lives. could be anyone. But do you see the problem? As soon as we put other people in God's place, we cannot... The problem is we can't save. You can't save. They can't save. I can't save. In our human frailty... And in our sin, we just can't deliver for each other. And ultimately, you see what the psalm tells us too, at the end of the day, kind of, to put it bluntly, at the end of the day, we we will all die. We return to the ground and our plans come to nothing. Without God, without God, this God, this is our situation, friends. We all worship something. We all try to find our meaning and significance in something. We all rest our trust in something, maybe someone else. Or maybe if we've been burnt too many times, that turns in on ourselves. We only trust ourselves. We become self-reliant. But either way, either way, we're all in that category, aren't we? You can't save and you will return to the grounds. We're all heading for a fall unless, unless, verse 5, unless our help is in the, not in 
another person, another thing, unless our help is in the God of Jacob. Our hope is in the Lord our God. If that's you, you are blessed. You're living in line with how God made you to be. Um, what the psalm does now, from this point on, is it kind of just gives this long list of reasons why that's true. Why this one, this Yahweh, this Lord, the one true and living God, why we can trust him. Um, you notice what he says here. Un- unlike those spirits who depart and return to the grounds, this God is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He isn't, he isn't cut off by decay and death. He, he remains faithful forever and he's good. His character is one of justice and mercy of, and holiness and grace. Verse 7, I'll just read this out, just kind of soak this in, friends. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. That's why you can trust this Lord. That's why he alone can bear the weight of your worship, your praise, your trust. And then right at the end, in verse 10, he he, he shifts, not just to speaking about now, but to looking into the future. Uh, This God is not just the one who made everything, he's the one who will bring everything to its proper end. The one who reigns forever, for all generations. Now that would have been pretty meaningful for the first people who sung this psalm. Um, the people of Israel before Jesus were waiting for this, the fullness of this kingdom to come, this reign of God, this rule of God. They had moments in their history where they would have got a taste of it, uh, but it never, the, the promise that's put forward here never really matched the reality for them. Um, it's one thing to say all of this about God. But is the Lord really faithful forever? Does he really set the prisoners free and does he really reign forever? Well, the first singers of this psalm said, yes, yes, he does. Yes, he is. We know what he has done in the past. We trust that he will complete his work. He will be faithful. Do you see what's do you see how, friends, we are in a much, much better position than those first singers of this psalm were? We're in a much better position to say that same thing. The reason that is because a, a few hundred years after this psalm was written uh, and sung, this one, this Lord, this maker of heaven and earth, this creator of all things entered into his creation. That's what we've just celebrated in Christmas. The Lord did not, this Lord, uh, did uphold the cause of the oppressed. He fed hungry people. If you were with us last year, you'll know we've, we've read about that in John's Gospel. He fed hungry people with physical food, but much more with spiritual food. 
He, he, gave, he did give sight to the blind, physically and much more spiritually. He lifted up those who were bowed down. He cared for widows. He set prisoners free. Jesus perfectly fulfills this psalm. Through his death in your place. You see that line in the psalm? The Lord loves the righteous. Well, through his, Jesus' death in your place, he makes it possible for you to be included in that people. Those righteous people that the Lord loves. Righteous not because of your own good works, but through faith in him. And through his resurrection, he has won the ultimate battle over every power of evil. He has frustrated the wicked. He has defeated sin and death itself. And he has ascended to his Father. And he reigns eternally. And has promised a coming day when this kingdom he has begun will be all in all. To the glory of God the Father. See, what, what the first singers of this song looked forward to, we look back on, we've already seen and we cling to by faith. There is a kind of waiting though, right, that we have. We, you know, we do wait, you know, in a way like them, but it's a different kind of waiting. It's waiting this side of Jesus, not that side. Uh, having already seen the fulfilment of God's plans and purposes in Christ. We wait in the certain hope that he will complete what he's begun. Friends, in a moment we're going to share the Lord's Supper. That's going to be a way in which we, a tangible, physical way in which we remind ourselves of this wonderful news that this Lord of this psalm has come. Not only has come, but has given his life for us so that we can be those who he calls righteous and who he loves. And after we share in the Lord's Supper, we'll sing a song in response. Um, the songs, uh, there's, there's a line in this song. It's really an encouragement. It's the same sort of encouragement that this psalm gives us. Uh, one of the lines says this: "Redeeming love has, redeeming love, has been my theme, and will be till I die." Redeeming love. All of those reasons we can praise God. Redeeming love has been my theme and will be till I die. That would be a great thing to settle in your heart, wouldn't it, at the start of this new year? Uh, And for as many years as the Lord gives you, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Uh, Before we do that, though, before we share in the Lord's Supper together, before we sing that song... Uh, I'm going to invite us all to, in a moment to stand and we'll say this psalm out together. Uh, it's something that Christians have always done through the centuries. If you haven't done it before, it can seem a bit weird. Feel free not to do it if, you know, if, you, if you're not comfortable doing it. But it's a great way that we can join together in this praise of our God um, to say this psalm together in a way to sing in our hearts, although we haven't set it to music. Maybe that can be a job for someone to do. Um, But we'll do that together and then we'll um, have a a time where we share the Lord's Supper. Is that all right? Can I pray for us though first? Let's pray. Our great God, we praise you. We praise you and we will all our life. Keep us from trusting in human beings who cannot save, who 
return to the ground and whose plans come to nothing. Lord, help us to put all our hope, our trust, our worship, our praise in you. We thank you that you are worthy of our trust. Thank you that you can bear that. And we praise you and we are filled with awe, Father, that in the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus, you came into this world. Uh, That this Lord we read of here entered his creation, entered your creation. Not only that, but gave his life for us so that we could be included in those who are righteous and those whom you love. Lord, we pray that we might trust in Jesus more fully and more deeply and that as we head into this year, um, the praise of you might be the theme of our lives, whatever else is going on. We pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.